Well, the subject tonight is kindness or love, but I think that's the subject every week. It's the, the whole point of our practice is to uh, unleash our innate goodwill and to um, dissipate, to lessen the amount of ill will. Um, as I mentioned last week, or I often do the words of Sri Nisargadatta Maharaj. He says, the, the world is the way it is because people are the way they are. And as long as people are the way they are, the world will continue to be the way it is. So if we want a peaceful and loving, kind world, we have to have peaceful loving and kind people. It's not something you can impose on the world. Uh, it has to start within the hearts and minds of each person. And it was uh, interesting today because I was, I was uh, speaking to people as I do. I spend the bulk of the day just meeting with, with people. And I, it, it seemed as though there was one story after another of people dealing with other people behaving badly. And not just behaving badly, but saying things in an aggressive way, in an unkind way, and there being uh, at least temporary harm caused, and in some cases, harm that, has been, that is felt today over something that was said uh, literally 30, 40 years ago, or 50 years ago that our words fly off like arrows and they have a huge impact. And when they, when they are kind, they have the impact of, of sending a ripple of, of goodwill. When they are unkind, they, they ripple in ways that, that diminish us and, and they harm us. And, and so there's so much harm that's spread. And the, the fact that we don't exist independently apart from each other means that whatever we are doing, whatever we are spreading, it comes back of ill will, of unkindness. And whatever, uh, whatever we put out of kindness also uh, comes back to us. Uh, both it's just like the practice of dana there's the there's joy at every part of the practice of dana joy at the thought of giving joy in the act of giving joy in the memory of having given the joy in the giver joy in the receiver there's always a, it, it is onward leading it it spreads and it's the same with with our words it's and both the the pleasant and the unpleasant and Partly why I took note of this today is because it's very easy to get acclimated to speaking very reactively and unconsciously, causing harm with our speech. Just we cause harm with our speech in our minds, then it, we cause harm with our speech outwardly. And I think I shared the words of Padmasambhava last week where he said, if you if you want to understand your past, look at your present experience. So what we experience as our present habits and tendencies and conditions are the seeds that we are somewhat dependent on the seeds we planted in past moments. 
But he, in the hopeful part of his commentary, he says, if you want to understand your future, look at your present actions. What kinds of seeds you're planting right now? And as I also mentioned last week, that every moment has, is in one way a creative, is an open, empty field of creative possibility. And when that field is open, we are aware of what we're doing, we're more likely to plant in that seed of creative possibility, plant seeds that, that lead to um, more harmony, if we're conscious. But when we are narrow, contracted, constricted, stressed, overtired, so many, so many causes, our minds, our attention gets narrow, our nerve endings get frayed, and then we end up... Uh, end up rippling with a lot of reactivity and it, it spreads and so there's a so there's a great great value in seeing what the state of your heart and mind are what what are you what what seeds are you planting and what what is the fruit that you are experiencing uh, of your past uh, conditions, your past actions, your past thoughts, your past words. What is your situation? How are you? And hopefully in taking an honest assessment of your condition, you will see, and hopefully without any self-blame, but with some understanding that if you're really stressed out, if you're really overtired, it explains probably a lot why you you just said the wrong thing. You just jumped at somebody with your speech, or you just um, you just uh, took something out of of greed, or you just um, exploited someone in some kind of manner. These actions only happen when we are uh, not playing with a full deck. When we are not fully present. So ideally, this recognition, this confession to ourselves of our delusion, of our greed, of our health hatred, will become the cause of our wise intention, our intention. And this is no small thing to have a wise intention, the intention to be harmless, the intention to be... to live our lives in a way that, are, that, is, that has some measure of renunciation, some level of simplicity, some kind of contentment. It's a, almost a foreign word. Contentment, simplicity, renunciation. And more than that, to have our wise intention inclined toward goodwill, toward loving kindness. So part of what motivated me to, to reflect on that is that uh, two things. One, it is the season of the year where the, the days, uh, the end of summer, the beginning of fall, and Mary Oliver has a beautiful poem that in some ways encapsulates the law of karma. This, if you want to understand your past, look at your present experience. You want to understand your future, look at your present actions. And she has a seasonal poem called Lines Written in the Days of Growing Darkness. Every year we have been witness to it, 
how the world descends into a rich mash in order that it may resume. And therefore, who would cry out to the petals on the ground to stay, knowing as we must how the vivacity of what was is married to the vitality of what will be. I don't say it's easy, but what else will do if the love one claims to have for the world be true? So let us go on, though the sun be swinging east, and the ponds be cold and black, and the sweets of the year be doomed. So I like that one line in the middle where she says how the vivacity of what was is married to the vitality of what will be. So what we, our past influences our, our future. And this is the time, this is a time where we can appreciate the fruits of what of what we have practiced and go inward in a way, settle into ourselves, take a little inventory as the days get darker and we're pulled a little bit to uh, our contemplative side, which is, I think, our natural tendency this time of year, even though the, it's funny how the, the, the darker it gets, the more the more people are told to go shopping. It's amazing. But that's just the... shows you how our society may be a little bit of out of sync with nature. <laughs> so that was one reason I wanted to talk about this. What seeds are we planting? What are the, what are the fruits of what we have planted already? Because this is the harvest. What you see, your actions, are the harvest of what you have planted every day. And it's not by some kind of accident. We are not, uh, we are not necessarily victims to our uh, life. That we are, We're really trainable. And we are training ourselves in training habits all the time. So the teachings are constantly reminding us that... that um, Whatever you do and whatever you think and whatever you, whatever you say, especially what you say, I think that's why it was given such an eminent place in the Noble Eightfold Path, wise speech. It's such a powerful force in our lives. And part of why I wanted to... So part of it's just to share the teachings. The other part was that uh, I came across, as I have many times over the years, uh, one of the Jataka tales, which are the tales of the, the they're kind of tales of activism, of the tales of the Buddha's past lives, and they've been adapted for children. And I wanted to read a children's story to you of one of the Jataka tales tonight. And this one's entitled, The Best of Friends. This may take a few minutes, so settle back. Bedtime story. Once upon a time, in a forest there lived a great being in the form of a woodpecker with brilliant feathers of many colors. Not only was this bird unusually beautiful, but he was also unusually kind and intelligent. He was like a physician to the other animals 
keeping watch over them and giving them good advice. So kind was his heart that he could not bring harm to any creature. And thus he lived only on berries and sweet flowers. This is not a talk on vegetarianism. (laughs) One day while he was flying through the darkest part of the woods, he spied a lion rolling on the ground. His mane dirty and tangled, his cries of pain pitiful and sad. O king of beasts, what has happened? Have you been hit by a hunter's arrow? Have you been wounded by a buffalo's horns or an elephant's tusks? Is there any way I can help? O physician of the forest, O beautiful bird, I have got a sharp piece of bone stuck deep in my throat, and I cannot swallow it down nor throw it up. I am in terrible agony. Please help me. The clever bird quickly thought of a way to aid the lion. He found a stick just the proper size, told the lion to open his mouth as wide as he could. He then placed the stick between his his top and bottom teeth to keep his jaws apart. Boldly, the physician bird entered the lion's mouth and hopped to the bottom of his throat. With his long, fine beak, he gently worked the bone fragment loose and pulled it free. As he came out of the lion's mouth, he kicked away the stick, and the lion's pain was ended. Filled with joy, the lion thanked the woodpecker again and again, and the bird was as happy as the lion, knowing that he had removed the pain of another. The happiness of others brought him great joy, and he cared not whether he was thanked or praised. Sometime later it happened that the woodpecker had been unable to find food for many days. He ached with hunger as he flew from branch to branch in search of berries or even sweet leaves. Then the woodpecker spied that very same lion beneath the trees, feasting on an antelope he had hunted down. So hungry was the woodpecker that he wished for a morsel of the lion's meal, but he did not ask for anything. He only landed nearby and watched, hoping the lion would remember him and offer him food. Indeed, the lion recognized the woodpecker who had saved his life, but being greedy and proud, he did not understand the sweet nature of the woodpecker. Why should I, the mighty lion, bother with you, little bird? He snarled. This food is mine. It is not enough that you are still alive after entering the mouth of a lion. Is it not enough that you are still alive after entering the mouth of a lion? I can devour anything I please. Now away with you before I lose all patience and eat you in one bite. The woodpecker soared straight up into the sky, showing the lion the freedom and power of birds and speaking to the lion in the language of wings. High in the clouds he met a sky fairy who had been watching their encounter. O exalted and most beautiful of birds, why do you allow the lion to insult you? Why do you not respond with anger and revenge? You have the power to blind him in a flash with your beak 
or to swoop down in an instant and pluck the food from his very teeth. Enough of such talk, replied the woodpecker. The way of anger is not for me. I simply help the lion in order to end his pain, not to gain a reward. If he chooses not to be kind in return, then I will simply leave him alone. I did not help him in order to be thanked, so if he does not thank me, why should I care? It is enough that I helped my friend. But great being, why be kind to those who are not kind to you? How can you call that greedy lion your friend? Kindness regards everyone as a friend, even those who do not understand kindness, replied the woodpecker. I count as friends all those I care about. Every animal in this forest is my friend. Whether one animal is kind to me one day or unkind to me another day matters not. With so many friends, there are always opportunity to bring joy to others. You are a true and constant friend, exclaimed the Sky Fairy, for your heart never changes, no matter how you are treated. How noble you are, Woodpecker, how the animals must admire and love you. If your heart is gentle and true, all beings will gladly trust in you. If you count as friends everyone you meet, your happiness will be complete. So any reaction to this story? Does it uh, push your buttons? Does it gladden your heart? Does it, does it make you want to be more kind? Does it make you want to take care with your speech, your actions? Please. That's beautiful. <laughs> Well, with someone with so many friends, I, th- I think he would find someone to give him f- food. Well, the woodpecker was kind. He was also wise enough to stick in the lion's mouth. Yes. Yes. Wise and kind. So for me, in reading this story again, I, it was such a... It, in some ways, it was a reminder of my own tendency to, uh, to react with ill will towards someone who is unkind. And, and in doing that, in reacting with ill will, in shutting down, uh, I simply add to the, to the cycle of ill will. And so I aspire to the capacity that I have to befriend everyone, to have a well-being that doesn't depend on whether someone is nice to me, that isn't, that is so full, my heart so full that I'm, um, that I'm uh, not having to go out in search of uh, well-being and wholeness and love, that I can be the one 
instead of the one who's saying, love me, love me, I can be that one, as Hafez says, with the full moon in each eye, telling everyone uh, what they would love to hear. So I, when we, when I think of the, one second, when I think of the teachings, they're often, they're often framed in a way, they're framed in different ways because the noble eightfold path, the path of awakening, is seen as a kind of hologram. Wherever you enter, it affects all the other parts. But it's often framed in such a way based on a, a famous sutra called the Mahaparinibbana Sutta that if you make your actions pure, non-harming, that it makes possible uh, it makes possible the purification of your mind it makes possible for you to come to a place of, of harmony, of, of mental balance, of, of stillness. And if you can find that kind of purity of mind, mental balance and stillness, then you can see more clearly the nature of reality and that will lead you to the intention to continue to be non-harming. And so it works by developing that foundation of non-harming. The metaphor that's often used is trying to practice meditation or to live wisely or to have a certain kind of contentment and purity of mind without having a foundation of, of ethics and morality. It's like trying to row a boat without untying it from the dock. It just doesn't happen. But I've begun to see that we can all aspire to practice harmlessness. But unless we're actually practicing moment by moment, day by day, the intention to be present, the intention to live simply, the intention to, to, um, to live spaciously, to give our minds a huge pasture, to give our hearts plenty of room to breathe, to honor ourselves, to love ourselves enough to say every moment of my life is precious. I do not want to become so wound up, so bound up in the hot pursuit of what's next that I lose track of my heart, that I lose track of my health, that I, lose my body, I, I leave my body. I don't want to do that. If I'm practicing day by day, settling into my body, making sure that I'm listening to the, to the, the weather, um, whether I'm happy, whether I'm sad, whether I'm liking or disliking, whether I'm frustrated, if I'm listening to that, giving room for that, it naturally creates a space in my mind. It creates a, a capacity, an increased capacity to interrupt those tendencies that I that have developed from my past actions. It allows me to see when I'm about to jump on someone, when I'm about to to um, when I'm about to add to my stress, and give me the space of choice to give me some kind of. Uh, to open that, that field of creative possibility and say, do I want to do this right now? Do I want to say this to this person? 
What is the motivation for me speaking right now? Am I going to say this in order to establish my, my greatness? Or am I saying this because it's, it's um, for the benefit of that person? And when I think of wise speech, because speech is such a powerful force of either kindness or its opposite, the Buddha's teaching was to say what's true. But not just say what's true, but say what's useful. And sometimes what's true isn't useful. And to say whatever you're saying in a harmonious way and to, uh, to say it in a timely way. That there's, so we have to understand the context in which we're speaking to someone and the engine that's driving what we're, what we're saying. How do we do that unless we actually practice every day? Unless we put our mind in our body, our body in our mind, we make sure that we are for the benefit of all beings, not just for ourselves, that we are taking care with our life. Wonderful supports for practicing, uh, creating that kind of atmosphere of uh, that space of choice is having a regular practice of kindness and it begins with ourselves. How many of you practice regularly formal uh, and doesn't have to be long but formal practice of loving kindness? How many people here? Okay. The next that's a, that's about 20 out of 100 and something. Mm-hmm. Next week I'd love to see 60 or 80 or 100. It's completely possible. Try it. Try it. Even right now. Take your attention. Settle it into your body. And feel as though in this moment that your attention is absolutely synonymous with loving kindness. That you're just sitting, your body is sitting in a field of kindness. And you're feeling kindness toward this this incarnation to this body that sits here. Just notice as you just move your attention around your body, your head and your shoulders, that each movement of your attention is like a, a caress of kindness. And just kindly caress your head and your shoulders, your arms, your legs, your chest, your belly buttocks, your back, just as we did during the sitting. See what that's like. And then drop into this field of loving attention, words that express, if you can, the the deepest wish that you have for yourself. Words like, May I be happy. See if you can do that. May I be happy. May I be peaceful. And send these words on a current of of goodwill and kindness. May I be happy and peaceful. May I feel safe 
in this world. Safe with myself. Safe with others. May I be safe from inner and outer danger. May I be healthy and strong. May I have ease in my heart and a sense of well-being. Happy, safe, peaceful, healthy, well, easeful. And as I, I want to be happy and peaceful, safe and protected, healthy and strong, as I want ease of well-being, as I open my heart and my mind to all the beings that I share this world with, may all beings be happy, safe, healthy, strong. May all beings be filled with kindness, support. May all beings live with ease, And while we're at it, we might as well offer forgiveness. If I have felt harmed by anyone, by their words, their thoughts, or their actions, to the best of my ability at this time, I forgive them. I want to incline toward goodwill, toward letting go. If I have harmed anyone through my words or actions, I ask for forgiveness. And finally, I forgive myself for any harm I have caused myself or others, knowingly or unknowingly. Yeah, I forgive myself. So anytime you're ready, feel free to open your eyes. Now we spent about three minutes, four minutes doing that. And these little seeds, they, they, they alter our nervous system a little bit. Of course, you may have, because this is a purification practice, it often shows us, it brings to the surface our unwillingness or our inability to feel loving-kindness, to feel friendliness. It shows us our ill will. And that's good news, actually. That will hopefully be the cause of continuing to plant this seed of intention, of kindness.
So we can do this. We are trainable. As the Buddha said very simply, I know of no other single thing so conducive to misery as this uncultivated, untrained heart and mind. I know of no other single thing so conducive to well-being as this cultivated and well-trained mind. Or as I always like to share the words of Hafez, he says, you carry all the ingredients to turn your life into a nightmare. Don't mix them. (laughs) You carry all the ingredients to turn your existence into joy. Mix them, mix them. So this is just a scratching the surface of all that we can do, all the seeds that we can plant, but it is possible to to have our hearts express that innate um, kindness, that innate capacity to be friends with all beings. And hopefully what we're doing from the moment we wake up in the morning till the time we go to sleep, we're planting those seeds. We're actualizing our Buddha nature or our woodpecker nature. So may all beings awaken to their divine nature, their love, their wisdom, their caring. Uh, May all beings be liberated. May you be liberated. May I be liberated. Thanks for indulging the children's Jataka tale and uh, sweet dreams. Good practice. See you next time. Thanks for your generosity. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.